The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined by our newest guest, Brett Swartz. He is an entrepreneur, commercial real estate investor, podcaster, capital gains tax deferral expert, deferred sales trust educator and trustee, and California multifamily broker. He's the founder of Capital Gains Tax Solutions, founder of Commercial Real Estate Apartment Advisors, and host of Capital Gains Tax Solutions podcast. Each year, he equips hundreds of businesses, business professionals with the Deferred Sales Trust tool to help their high net worth clients solve capital gains tax deferral limitations. I met Brett a few weeks ago at uh, the Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference. Um, he was on a panel talking about ta- taxes and, and other um, trending topics in, in his area of expertise. And I had to have him on the podcast because personally, I think taxes are very exciting. I know that they're, they're the bane of everyone's existence, but um, as a real estate enthusiast, I think it's one of the most exciting parts about the industry. So it's an honor to have you on, Brett. And uh, would you like to give a little more context to your background? Hey, thanks, Ben. Yeah, excited to be here, add some value to you and your listeners. I fell in love with real estate at a young age. Uh, My parents uh, building homes and rentals in the kind of the Silicon Valley, East Bay area of California, and quickly uh, knew that I wanted to be in real estate at some point in my life. Went away to college and had a chance to play basketball on scholarship and academic scholarship and had a couple degrees in a minor. But during that journey as well, I had a chance to take an internship at a place called Marcus and Millichap, where I learned how to underwrite properties, how to sell multifamily properties, and how to add value to clients and solve problems using what's called the 1031 Exchange uh, the marketplace fell apart in 2008. We had to pivot in a lot of ways uh, to figure out ways to help people not feel trapped by the 1031 ever again and overpay for property. That's when I learned about the Deferred Sales Trust, started to apply it to my business. Business started to grow. Now I just teach and train people how to do this. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to uh, be able to share some of this knowledge with you guys. Yeah, I'm very excited as well. So um, in, in classic real estate milestones, fashion. Could you tell us about your first milestone in commercial real estate? Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's it's a couple of milestones. It would be like, like, uh, you know, getting that first hundred thousand dollar commission check, right. When I sold a very large transaction, uh, that was a huge milestone when I really felt like I became an expert in commercial real estate, which was, you know, the two plus years of 60 hour weeks of cold calling, underwriting, touring properties, you know, inspections, escrows, negotiations, lending, all of that that's involved with, with the training at Marcus and Millichap was, uh, you know, gave me with some really good mentors. And so that first $100,000 check was, um, was kind of a culmination because I remember sitting in my office or at the office in the cubicles, never, never quite had the office on the sides where all the big people were, but I was brand new to the business. And my cousin, he just, he hit, he was my mentor and my manager showed a $98,000 check as he was walking by it about to give it to my cousin. He showed it to me. So I want you to look at this. This is real, right? This check is real. Like if you, 
work really hard, you'll be here someday. And that's like the more money I've ever seen, you know, cause growing up parents, it was, it was interesting. We had a lot of money at first and my dad had a lot of money, but my parents got divorced at a young age. And so I saw both sides of the wealth and no wealth kind of spectrum. And I always knew I wanted to have margin in my life. And so a part of that was being entrepreneurial was trying to swing for the fences and do big real estate deals but it's 100% sink or swim type of opportunity at Marcus and Millichap. And so when he showed me that check, he showed me what could be real. And then he said, you'll be there someday. And that began the process of slowly improving my craft, understanding deals, understanding markets, becoming an expert. And, uh, and, and then one day I did. And so I, I did that one. I would say that, that was a big milestone. The second one would be um, probably the the first big deferred sales trust deal. Like we did a lot of smaller ones, but we started doing some bigger ones, $8 million deals, $7.9 million deal, $5 million deal, you know, working on a $55 million deal right now. But I mean, there's a lot of smaller ones that were 600,000 or a million or, you know, 1.5. And then, but, but now we're doing much, much bigger ones and we're getting into the tens of millions of dollars of deals. And so those would probably be the biggest, biggest two milestones there. Yeah, that's really amazing. And before we start talking about what a deferred sales trust is, um, there's a theme that I kind of noticed that, you know, some of these tax, uh, these tax loopholes or um, tax advantages that the government gives real estate investors are really ex exciting and, and interesting. And a lot of people wonder, you know, is this fair? Is this legal? Like, how are these people getting away with this? And I mean, I've learned that it's because the government is not as good at building and, and maintaining real estate as the private sector. And um, so they incentivize us to do it. But could you tell us a little bit more about that uh, before we get into the, some of the more details? Yeah, I mean, part of being an American citizen is we have certain rights, right? And the government can't force us to sell things or force us to build things or force us to go into business. But they can give us tax incentives to do the things that they can't do very effectively. So you, you mentioned real estate, right? That's one of the ones. If you look at any kind of affordable housing or any kind of government, you know, real estate projects, they tend to be way over budget, you know, not very well uh, uh, necessarily thought out and not necessarily gonna serve the community in the, in the highest and best way that the private sector can do. And so that's where they create tax incentives for entrepreneurial real estate people to put the blood, sweat, and tears of development, design, construction, going through the, the legal parts, the environmental parts, the lending parts, getting the capital, all of those pieces that create this you know beautiful puzzle of, of, of a real estate, a multifamily, commercial real estate apartment a building or office building or industrial, whatever it might be. And so they say, hey, as long as you do these things in this way, We'll give you a tax incentive, right? Same thing with an IRA or 401k, right? They're not, they're not in the business bin of saying, hey, I want to I take care of all the people in retirement, right? I want everyone who's 60 or 70 or 80 years old, the government just to have to fund all of their, all of their, you know, their life. And so they say, you know what? Why don't we do this? Why don't we, why don't we incentivize them when they're younger to put money into an IRA or 401k so that they can take care of themselves, right? Same thing with the deferred sales trust, Right. In this scenario, it's applied to highly appreciated assets that are subject to huge capital gains tax. And the government says, you know, how about we incentivize Ben if he has, you know, $10 million of Bitcoin, right, that he got for a hundred grand and he's looking to diversify it and go buy an apartment complex or go start a business with some college roommates, some startup company that could be like a Facebook that could literally be billions and billions and billions of dollars of tax revenue for the U.S. government. They're going to incentivize you to exit that asset, that Bitcoin, defer the tax, diversify their risk. If you think about it, it's not only diversifying your tax liability, right? And giving that incentive, it's diversifying their ability to actually collect that. Because if they don't, 
and call it Bitcoin or Ethereum or any other kind of altcoin, it could be, you know, 50% less. Like, I mean, Bitcoin's literally dropped from 68,000 to 35,000 in the past two months. You know, it's kind of wild how, how fast it went high, high and low. And it's probably going to work its way back up to 68,000 in another year or so or whatever, six months, who knows. But the point is, if they can incentivize us to exit smart, exit tax efficiently, and then say, hey, as long as the funds go into a business venture, as long as they're not spent on Ben's personal use, right? As long as they actually macroly benefit society, we're going we're gonna to incentivize him to do that by allowing him to defer the tax. And so that's really the essence of why the deferred sales trust is legal and why the IR, IRC 401k is legal. IRC 1031 is legal. Our code is actually IRC 453. Just most people don't know how to do it and how it works. Yeah, that, that's all great stuff. And um, so the first thing that blew my mind in this field of, you know, taxes and real estate was the 1031 exchange. Because, I mean, you, you can tell us a little bit more, but I think it's just amazing why it exists and, you know, what you can do with it. But um, so could you tell us a little bit more about the 1031 exchange and then tell us how the deferred sales trust is different and, you know, what that accomplishes more specifically? Yeah, so 1031 Exchange is one of the best wealth uh, tools that the government gives us, for especially for investment real estate uh, um, owners, because it allows us to take an asset, let's say a four unit or an eight unit or a 10 unit, that's worth 400,000, a million, two million, doesn't matter, it could be a $20 million asset, and sell it, and instead of exiting and paying the tax, they incentivize you to roll the funds or trade it into another property, purchase another asset, that's a real estate asset, in order to... Uh, uh, build more wealth for us and defer the tax for us. And so it's just a way to keep the money rolling. Again, kind of like an IRA or 401k. Instead of paying all the tax up front, they allow you to say, put all the money in there, let it grow in a tax deferred state. And so that's been very well known and tested and tried for, for years and years and years and years. Every commercial real estate owner knows about it. Every, every commercial real estate broker knows about it. Realtor knows about it. Very, very well known. But it only applies to investment real estate. Okay. And so whereas the deferred sales trust, what's really cool about it is it works for investment real estate. It can also save a failed 1031, but it also works for high end primary homes. We just did an $8.3 million sale for a client out of Palo Alto who was selling his primary home and he could not exit without the deferred sales trust unless he's going to pay a bunch of tax or give it all the way to charity, which he didn't want to do. And so the deferred sales trust um, allowed him to exit his real estate, move to Nevada, establish residency and defer all the tax. We just did it for a, a Bitcoin seller. She bought it for about $50,000. Her Bitcoin went to 50 million. She exited about 5 million of that Bitcoin. That was big. Did it for an Ethereum seller, a married couple out of Oakland. They bought uh, Ethereum. He, he worked in the Silicon Valley, one of the big tech companies for many years. And he's an expert in technology. He exited out of about uh, a $13 million position, about $7.5 million of it. And then, of course, we've done it for dentists, um, orthodontists, optometrists, car dealerships. We've done it for carried interest. We've done it for artwork, collectibles, public or private stock. And so it's just, it's kind of like a 1031 um, uh, but it's, but it has none of the restrictions either. So you can have total freedom with how and where you invest the funds. You have total freedom on the timing. You can dollar cost average. Um, you don't have to do any equal or greater value or any, any shotgun weddings. I call it, which is this, which is the 1031 45 day, uh, engagement or identification and 180 day close. And so really it's just knowing the rules, figuring out what you're trying to do and then applying which tool helps you to get there. Yeah, that's great. And I, I know that the 1031 is called the like kind exchange. And I like, I thought that meant like, if you have a multifamily apartment, you have to get a multifamily apartment, but it's actually 
any real estate that's for investment use can be rolled into, you know, like an office can be rolled into a multifamily and industrial Correct. can be a data center. And Correct. so it sounds like there's even fewer restrictions with a deferred sales trust. And I know you had this one story um, near the top of the market in 2006, where you help someone um, buy property and, uh, or defer their, their sales. And then, yeah, I mean, you can tell the story better than us. Uh, you want to tell us that story? Yeah, it's called the Monday Morning Quarterback. And I was speaking at the IIREC conference in Manhattan Beach. And that's where I met you, Ben. And it was really cool because that's a story that changed it for me forever. And so this deferred sales trust um, uh, or this owner of commercial real estate was looking at the deferred sales trust for the first time. And he's in 2006, this guy's worth a couple hundred million dollars. And he's going, I don't know that this market makes any sense. Like he had a sense that the prices were inflated. There wasn't a lot of inventory. All this tons of money is chasing these few, few deals. So he's like, look, I'll sell my $20 million asset in Minnesota across or close to the Minnesota Viking Stadium. I'll sell this asset. However, I'm not going to do a 1031 exchange and I don't want to pay the tax. So I will try this deferred sales trust because like most commercial real estate owners, right? Like myself and brokers, like we commercial real estate is like a religion and we believe that the 1031 exchange is the only doctrine, right? And we think that's the only way to do it. Most of us, right? Until we learn something new. And he thought the same thing. He's like, you know what? I think the same thing, except for I'm not going to do a 1031 because these prices are crazy, but I'll try this deferred sales trust. So he had the funds at close sent to the trust. So he deferred all of his tax, put it in very conservative stocks, bonds, mutual funds, which by the way, this guy hates the stock market. He's not a big fan of the stock market. He just, he was like, well, better than like paying all this tax, right? So five years later, the bank calls him up and was like, hey, you know that property you sold to that crazy 1031 California buyer? He's like, yeah, I remember that property. He's like, yeah, well, we just foreclosed on it. And we're just curious, do you want to buy it back from us? And he's like, well, maybe what's the price? And this is where the Monday morning quarterback comes in, right? He goes, well, they said, well, about 40% less than what you sold it for. He's like, you're going to sell me back the property that I already sold at 20 million for 40% less. They said, yes. He said, give me a few days. And he had his trust reallocate the funds um, um, to an LLC and purchased the property all tax deferred, not using a 1031. And that's like, you know, we watched the 49ers lose to the Rams yesterday. My heart's broken. And there's just one play where the, where the, or the uh, safety drops this, I mean, probably one of the easiest interceptions probably in his career. He hits his hands. He just can't believe anyone's not around him. To, 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 so I think that's what he's looking for, someone to hit him, right? And then he just drops it. And he's like, oh my gosh. Well, that's that's the Monday morning quarterback would say that, hey, no one's around you. Just stop and catch the ball, look it in, and we win the game, right? But instead, you know, 2020, hindsight's 2020, right? He doesn't. And so in this scenario, this is what we would have told everybody. We would have said, hey, everybody, sell in 2006. Put the money into the deferred sales trust. Put it in conservative stocks, bonds, mutual funds, stuff that wasn't subject to the big crash of 08, because there are things that you could hedge and protect it. Wait for everyone or a lot of people to get foreclosed on and properties to be 50%, 40%, 30% less than what you sold yours for. Buy it back with the trust, all tax deferred, and never use a 1030 whenever again. Like that's the Monday morning quarterback, right? But this is what he did, and this is what's possible. And like, I so saw now we're just trying to help people understand that. You can do this. Like this is Netflix to Blockbuster. Most people are stuck in Blockbuster, and 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 they're just they think that's the only way. You're like, no, there's a thing that you don't have to ever return a movie in three days. You don't have to you don't have to rewind it back in the old VCR days, right? You don't have to worry about a scratch DVD. You don't have to worry about getting a wrong thing. Like the deferred sales trust is Netflix. Like you have some ongoing fees. I'm the trustee. We get paid ongoing fees, and the financial advisors and who are, and, all, and the tax attorney get paid. Right? There's there's a number of things that you have to go through, but if it can give you that Monday morning quarterback opportunity, 
right? If it can give you the opportunity to develop real estate like another client did in Tennessee, he sold um, a, a business for 2.6 million and he's building with it multifamily, 70 units, all tax deferred. So it's not like kind, it's all tax deferred, it's ground up development and he's doing it slowly. So once you understand that is a way better way, most people will never go back to a 1031 ever again. So I don't know if Ben is still there or not. He might be frozen, but I'm going to keep talking until Ben returns. Um, he'll probably be coming back here in a minute. By the way, if you want to learn more about that, you can go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. It's capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. We're also coming out with my, our, my book here. And uh, this is Building a Tax-Deferred Exit Strategy. It's the proven playbook for unlocking your ideal wealth plan for your, when selling assets of any kind for yourself and your clients. Ben is back. Ben, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I don't know what happened there. I, was I just took a little commercial break and I just plugged my book while we were waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm back. Sorry about that. All good. Perfect. And yeah, so we're getting sports advice and we're getting real estate advice and uh, it's pretty similar. So, so uh, <laughs> some good stuff. All right. So um, let's get back to it. And could you tell us some, or if there was something that you could, you could imagine what would be the you know best tax advice or, you know, something that a college student can, you know, start thinking about as they, you know, start a career or start um, being an entrepreneur. Um, you know, what's uh what would be one of the most important considerations you would, you'd have us yeah, make. So Robert Kiyosaki says it really well. First of all, you want to model after people that have already done what you want to do. Okay. So like none of this stuff is like new under the sun. I mean, you might hear about the deferred sales trust is new because you, but you haven't done it because you haven't met our, us and our team and, and done it yet. But as far as just like general tax advice or real estate or entrepreneur advice, like there's people that it's so common, like Robert Kiyosaki is amazing. Rich dad, poor dad, his book, cash flow quadrant. But he said, he said something that was really profound to me. And I, after many years of studying what he did and how he did it, I had never heard him put the, put it this way or had listened close enough. But he said, the purpose of a business is to purchase real estate. And if he, and, he, and he breaks that down and he goes, if you think about it, like most of us think the purpose of a business is to get profit or get cash flow or, or to, uh, you know, to have freedom or, or to build, you know, build wealth, which those are all, yes, those are all part of the purpose. But, but what he says is the moment you change that, your mindset to this, the whole purpose of my business is to be profitable enough to earn cash flow in order to purchase real estate. He goes, that changes everything because what happens is he goes, you start to get all of the tax incentives that real estate offers, right? You can do things like cost segregation, accelerated depreciation. You can do things like bonus depreciation. You can do things like um, becoming a real estate professional where you can essentially take your income tax, which is our highest tax rates that we pay, and you can take that to zero by offsetting what you have in real estate and the depreciation of it to offset the cash flow. And this is part of, well, the rich get richer. Well, this isn't fair. Well, let's think about what you're providing society versus what you know, entrepreneurs and people who own real estate are providing society, right? Housing, for example, is one of the most important things to provide because if we don't have housing and food, right, essentially education doesn't really matter and, 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 our, and our health doesn't really matter and, and our economics and entrepreneurs doesn't really matter. And so if we can provide good, safe, clean housing with also great schools, right, and education and all of these things, well, guess how you do that? Well, you incentivize people to do it. So they get the tax breaks. And so basically what the government says, again, back to our original point, 
if you own real estate and you do it in a way that's especially multifamilies, 27 and a half years to depreciate the asset, you get these tax incentives. And so I would just say for any entrepreneur or student who's thinking about becoming a business owner to know that your end is to own real estate, or at least it should be if you want to be very, very profitable tax wise. It's not just what you bring in, but what you, what you net after taxes or before taxes, if you can defer it and keep that model in mind. And that helps to shift from from um, just earning a bunch of money because then you could pay a lot of taxes. You want to earn a bunch, but you want to have uh, equal amount as much or quickly as you can real estate to be able to buy. And so Grant Cardone does an amazing video on this. If you search Grant Cardone, CRE, save taxes, he breaks it down in a 13 minute video and he goes, these are the steps, right? In the very beginning, spend is spend only the bare minimum of what you have to actually live on. Do not go buy the fancy stuff. Don't go buy the you know fancy cars, the watches, the all the all the extra stuff we could be spending the money on. Save as much as you possibly can. Live on the bare minimum and start to invest that into into real estate assets opportunities. You can be first of all a passive investor, right? You can you can maybe get with Ben on one of his deals, right? And you can start to become a passive in small amounts. Start to exercise that muscle of investing those funds instead of spending those funds, right? Um, and then eventually you try to hopefully own your own properties with partners, right? And you level up to the next one, but it's establishing those habits in the beginning of understanding why you're going to become an entrepreneur and why your business is going to produce cash flow and what the purpose of it really is, which is to own, in my mind, in Robert Kiyosaki's mind, it was just to own investment real estate. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And um, I've been recommending Rich Dad Poor Dad to probably everyone who's, who's listening to this and look, we got another guy who's telling you to read it. So if that, if you're not convinced, um, you should be. And also, yeah, it's, I guess building wealth is not about how much you make. It's more about how much you keep. And it sounds like real estate is, you know, the time tested best way of keeping your wealth. And, um, you know, exactly. that's why I'm, I'm interested in it. And I think without real estate, I won't be able to accomplish my ultimate goals of financial freedom and, um, you know, freedom of time. And, and, uh, that's ultimately what, a lot of us want. So could you give us uh, a tax strategy or something that people who maybe are in the middle of their life, um, you know, have a family, have some kids, what they could be thinking about in terms of, um, you know, tax possibilities, especially if they own a primary residence? So it's the same thing that I'm telling the students, right? Own as much investment real estate as you possibly can with partners or by yourself, um, and and depreciate the asset to offset your 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 your, your ordinary income tax, even if you're a W two employee. I mean, check with your CPA and everything we're saying here, but make sure that you um you you explore what's actually possible, right? So if you're like a married couple, like for example, my wife's my wife's a full time mom, right? And so and I'm a real estate professional and I'm, I'm capital gains tax for expert. I'm a commercial real estate broker here in Sacramento, multifamily expert. So, but I, well, imagine I wasn't that imagine I was like a W2 employee somewhere. Well, the other spouse can become the real estate professional because they're not, their main source of income is not your W2 job, right? They're separate, but you guys file jointly as a taxes. And so if you structure it correctly and you get with your CPA, there are ways that you could still qualify for this real estate professional status. Doesn't mean you have to get a real estate license. It just means that as a joint couple, you could, you could establish buying real estate, doing cost segregation and offsetting income. Now, these are active deals, meaning you have to do it yourself, you know, to get it off of your active income. Lots of little nuances here. If you're passive, that's also great too. You can offset the passive income. So yeah, getting with a really good CPA 
and building out a dream team to help you build that wealth is very important. So that'd be the biggest thing for, for, for middle, middle, middle-aged folks. I'd also also recommend this, maybe go back, go against a lot of people, uh, what they think in traditional way of building wealth is immediately stop all retirement, um, IRAs or 401ks, unless they have some kind of matching, never give up matching. If they match the money, take it. It's free money, right? A hundred percent match up to that max, do it, but don't put anything above and beyond that. Here's how I made the decision, right? I had points during my career and everything else I was paying into 401ks and IRAs, but I quickly wanted to clarify, like, why am I doing this? Right? Well, it's my retirement. Okay. That's true. Well, when do I want to retire? 60 or 70? Or what about like 40 or 50? Right. Well, how do I quickly get to 40 or 50 if I'm putting it all something I can't touch till I'm 60 or 70? Well, so that immediately just said, okay, from here on out, we're not putting any more into anything that's not matching. Okay. And so we stopped. And so I would encourage you not to follow the traditional, oh, I'll just put it all under the 401k, Wall Street, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and I can't touch it till I'm 60 or 70. Because is that really what you want? Do you want to have to wait to live your retirement then versus if you could do it now? And how you do it now is by investing in real estate and assets that appreciate, that give you cash flow, maybe investing in some cryptocurrency to try to hit some really big home runs, right? Like the clients did, um, they're working on the tech company. Part of why they exited into the deferred sales trust was to get consistency on their cash flow, but also to retire from their day job. They literally never have to work again. They're working 60, 70 hour weeks. And my client, his name is Peter. You know, I wrote a whole blog on this. You go to Capital Gains Tax, where you go to read his whole story. He's like, Brett, I was ready to be retired. Like, I want to be done with my W-2 job. Like, I want free with my family right now. He's in his mid-40s versus having to wait until your IRA or your 401k or 60 or 70. These arbitrary rules that are in place, you have to ask yourself, why is it there? So again, if you're in your mid, this also goes for the new person too, but if you're, but if you're paying into that 401k or that IRA, really clarify what you want. And if what you want is waiting till 60 or 70, continue. If you don't want that, get out. Yeah, that's a, that's a bunch of great points there. And I know that, um, I mean, if you're just invested in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, I mean, very, very high likelihood that you're going to be exposed to two, you know, I guess, very large drops in the market before it recovers. And, you know, we're hoping that it's not exactly lined up with the, the age you turn 70 or, or when you're supposed to, you know, exit your retirement plan. But um, yeah, I mean, I heard of the SDIRA. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I know it gives you the flexibility to maybe get the consistency of income through um, investing passively in syndications like uh, some some of the things that we talked about in the past and, um, you know, talked about on the show a lot. Yeah. So earning wealth away from Wall Street, which means the ability to go to self-directed, you know, and retirement funds or retirement accounts, 401ks, IRAs, is a great way to diversify away from the traditional stock market. And so um, that's cool. I've done that too, by the way. And that's part of also my strategy for the, for the funds that were still left in there. I've redeployed it into other areas that have more of alignment with commercial real estate assets, cash flow, stuff that I could know, like, and trust and see, touch and feel, and have some control over. And so, yeah, I'm a big fan of, big fan of those. Um, those are really good ways to do that. And, and yeah, again, most people don't know about them. You know, I'd say they're more alone than they were even just five years ago, but there's some great groups that work out there that specialize in all of that. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And could you, uh, so I know there's a lot of these, a lot of talk nowadays about these mega Roths and that, you know, I heard there's only 400 of them in the world, but I know, you know, there's a lot of political commentary about it. Um, I mean, how, how did these people get these mega Roths? And I know I heard of this backdoor conversion from a traditional to a Roth. I mean, could you tell us a little bit, a little bit about that? Yeah, I know a little bit about that. I'm mostly an expert in deferred sales trust, but essentially 
Um, the average person listening to this don't have 10 million or more inside of their Roth account. So it really doesn't even apply to them. Um, but there are those in the government that want to take uh, something that some people have taken advantage of in a really lucrative way and totally legal, right? They can do this and they want to try to shut down self-directed IRAs for the rest of us that are, you know, in that, you know, say a hundred thousand to $2 million range in retirement accounts. And so, um, that's the, that's the, that's the main part about that. But essentially, you know, Roth is tax free and you pay the tax and then any of the growth is tax free. Traditional, you know, IRAs, um, non Roths are going to be, um, not taxed up front. And, but any, they're going to get, you're going to get some tax on the growth. Okay. So those are all things you consider. But again, most of my focus is not doing any of those retirement stuff. I think it's, I think that's kind of secondary, except for the match. I'm really focused on entrepreneurial cash flow, real estate with partners and, 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 and the stuff that I'm doing. Great. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So I guess along those lines, what, what has been your most recent milestone in commercial real estate? Um, most, most recent milestone in commercial, uh, real estate. Um, so I'll do one, um, that, um, was a deferred sales trust client that was pretty awesome. They're worth about 25 million and, uh, they wanted to sell a $5 million multifamily complex in Colorado. And their biggest challenge was 25 million of their wealth, including this $5 million asset was all inside of their taxable estate. And they're looking for ways to exit not only the real estate and not do, another 1031 and overpay, um, but also to eliminate the estate tax. And so in one day, uh, one transaction on someone who'd never heard about this before, who'd only done 1031s the entire life, who uh, did cho chose us to, to help them exit their wealth in a way that they had, didn't think was possible. And so they exited that $5 million position in exchange for our promissory note, which is what we do here with Capital Gains Tax Solutions. But at the same time, all of those funds are now outside their taxable estate, which is going to eliminate 40% of the death tax on that $5 million, which is $2 million, which completely blows the 1031 out of the water, right? The 1031 only, only helps you defer capital gains tax. Same thing with opportunity zones. It only helps you apply uh, a defer or even maybe eliminate some capital gains tax, but it has nothing to do with the stepped up basis, uh, or it has a stepped up basis. It has nothing to do with the estate tax or death tax, which, which, which the stepped up basis doesn't take care of. So you might have a $50 million estate, but all of that could be inside of your taxable estate. And if you're only, if you're single, you have a $12 million exclusion, right? And so you have about 38 million inside. Well, 40% of that would be wiped out regardless of a stepped up basis. And so to me, that's the big elephant in the room that most people are overlooking. We talk about, you know, 1031s or Delaware statutory trust or even deferred sales trust. But the biggest thing is what's going to solve that big legacy play. That's where um, the deferred sales trust shines. I think that's my, my, my latest biggest milestone. And that was a game changer for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know it's like kind of a grim topic to talk about, you know, moving on and, you know, death and things related to that. But I mean, a lot of multi-generational wealth, you know, comes from people acknowledging that this is part of the cycle of life and that, you know, you really can open up a lot of opportunities for your, for your legacy by doing the correct things tax related. And mm -hmm. I'm sure um, Brett comes on again. We'll, we'll talk a lot about that and uh, I'm sure we'll have some other guests because I hope I've gotten you guys as excited about taxes as I find it to be exciting. So um, before we move into the lightning round, I just wanted to ask, you know, you've had a lot of success in your life and a lot of amazing um, things, but I know a lot of learning, and a lot of growth comes from failure. So I was wondering if you've had, had any significant failures in your life that you've learned a lot from. And, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, the biggest failure was when I started at Marcus and Milchap in 06, the marketplace was hot. 
and things were going good and things were building up a ton of momentum. I just graduated, graduated from college and I was all ready to go. And then the market hit the, hit the, hit the, hit the brick wall. Right. And that's where everything like came to a screeching halt. And I remember sitting in my, my, my mentor's office, like, I don't, I don't cry, but I'm like crying. All the pressure had built up. My wife's at home with our new baby girl. We're not sure how we're going to put food on the table. It's a hundred percent sink or swim commission job. It's not salary. It's not benefits. You either close or you don't. And another deal that just fell apart. It was a 1031 buyer who decided not to buy the property, literally like the best location in Granite Bay, like and ended up being a Walmart there and a Chick-fil-A and a Habit Burger. It was, been a, it was an amazing retail center. At the time, it didn't have all of those things, but we're like, buy it. It's, gonna, it's the best real estate. And he missed it. He missed it. And I just couldn't believe he didn't buy it. Like I was certain he was going to buy it and it was going to change everything for us, but it fell apart. And I remember just breaking down and I remember just going, do I really, really want this? And, and, but I felt like a failure. Like I really did. Cause my parents divorced when I was young. So I always knew I wanted to have wealth in my family because wealth was a big part of, um, money was a big challenge. My mom not having any, cause my dad didn't pay child support. So all of these things started flooding back to me. And I'm so my wife's home at full time with our baby. So we, so, and like, I'm like, I'm a failure. I feel like a failure as, a, as like a dad, as a father, like, you know, I'm not providing. And I remember sitting there going, Hmm, what do I need to do in order to, to keep this dream alive? So I go home, I sit down with my wife. I'm like, hey, Melanie, like, here's the situation. Like, we're like, credit cards are maxed. Like, we're, we're in debt. We have student loans that are piling up in debt. And I said, look, we can do a couple things. We can move with my brother into a small condo. We, I can get a side job hustle. Um, and um, we, I can just keep, I can burn the candle at both ends. And so that's what we did. We moved my brother into a small condo. I got a side job at a place called Cheesecake Factory, and I started to serve uh, a server by night, and but by day I'd make cold calls. And so I worked 60, 70 hour weeks, Monday, uh, seven days a week, and I did that for two years, you know? And it, it was crazy, but it was necessary as a part of my growth, right? And I look back at that, and it's a journey to understand that you might see success now on this side of things, but it wasn't always easy, right? That also included working AAU basketball tournaments, nights and weekends as a hot dog salesman and door, door salesman. Uh, it, it included um, medical sales at one point. I did a medical sales W2 job for a little while. Um, and it included continuing to serve my clients on a high level, even when it wasn't great for them to sell. And so that's part of how I was successful too, because during this crash, I was negotiating with banks and clients on, on their deals, but I was telling them don't sell because it's not a good time. Hold, hold, hold you know, let's wait till the market comes back and help them to work out their situation. And then all of them start calling me again when, when, when the market came back. And then that's also where the deferred sales trust came into play. So that's all kind of a part of the journey. So that was the biggest failure, but biggest opportunity for growth. And that's amazing. I really appreciate you sharing and that's super inspiring. I hope you all got a lot out of that. Um, so let's go into the lightning round uh, to start. Right, well, these questions are going to get increasingly harder, so I hope you're ready. But uh, right. <laughs> so let's start. Uh, what superpower would you want to have if you could have any superpower? Uh, superpower. I think it would be cool to be able to to fly. You know, so I could just I could just fly into New Orleans and check out a multifamily property in like two seconds to see if it's a good deal. I could fly over the roofs, make sure that everything looks good. Now that'd be cool. I could fly to Hawaii with the family, right? So I'd be able to just to to get get to places really quick. Yeah, we ha we had that one before, and I I totally I'm you know before I was saying super speed for the same reasons, but you know it's harder to check the roof with super speed. So I was like, you know, now you're like super flying and comps man. There it is. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. That's a good one. Definitely, you're gonna hear that a lot in in real estate. Um, so what's your favorite book, or what's the one that helped you the most in your your journey? 
Um, I mean, there's a couple books, right? So uh, the Bible I read every single day and my journey as my character, my faith, in my, my, my personal growth, uh, the Bible. And I would say, you know, we talked about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There's also another one called um, uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, which is pretty amazing. That's a cool one. And then, and then as far as like leadership, anything by Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N, uh, one called Seasons of Life. These are all really great books. Yeah, that's great. And uh, Never Split the Difference is one of my favorite books also. I think it's, you know, has something for everyone because it's not just about negotiations and hostage situations. It's about business and about life and how everything's a negotiation. And it's also super entertaining. So I always recommend that when someone's asking what, what they should read. Um, great. So what motivates you to continue doing what you do every single day? Yeah, it's in my family, you know, and my wife and uh, my, my five kids the opportunity to build build a life of our dreams and serve serve others, bless others, financial freedom, time, energy, travel, you know, giving back to causes and, and, and the things that we believe in most. And so that'd be the biggest thing. It's my kids, you know, my four daughters and my son and my wife. Great. And I'm sure that's very motivating. I can, I can only, you know, imagine from what I've seen with my family, but uh, one day I'm hoping to have same same motivation. Great. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? You know, work, uh, learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And this is a quote by Jim Rohn. You know, most of us, we learn to work hard on our, 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 um, you know, our, our grades, right. Or our education or getting that degree or getting that internship or getting that job or getting that, you know, that increase in pay or that first commission or that first real estate deal under GP or all of these external things. Right. And those are, those are important. And those are cool. And those are fun. And they, they last for a little while. But if you work harder on yourself, as your character, right, your your, um, your 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 leadership, your faith, your health, your finances, like the things that make up the core of who you are, your relationship with your friends and your family, the saying goes, you'll make a or you make a fortune, right? So learn to work hard on yourself than you do on your job. If you work hard on your job, you'll make a living, which is fine. But if you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And the reason is, all the things we work on internally are. are internally are eternal or all the things that are external are temporary, right? So for lasting fulfillment and change, we want to make sure we're focusing on working harder. It doesn't mean you don't work hard on those things to get good grades or to get that college degree or to get that job or to start that business. That's all fine, but work harder on yourself as, as, as you as you develop all you, you create it to be. And so those would be my, uh, pa- uh, my, my last parts of wisdom to inspire people. That's uh, a really, that's a very good point. And I mean, I try to do that all the time because I want to, you know, uh, invest in myself because I think the return on investment of knowledge and self-growth is, you know, infinite, especially if it increases the quality of my life is which, which ultimately, you know, matters a lot. So I really uh, appreciate that and, and agree. Um, so lastly, since I put you on the spot with the lightning round, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So um, feel free to ask me any question you you'd want to know about me. Uh, let's see, Ben. Is it uh, LSU Tigers or is it the, uh, where are you originally from? I'm from Washington, D.C. area, uh, Potomac, Maryland, but um, I go to Tulane right now, so roll, roll wave. Okay, so roll wave. All right, so I was trying to think of D.C. if there's like a big, who's like the big college out there, right? I don't know. Uh, we got University of Maryland. I got a lot of friends over okay, there. Okay, University, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the University of Maryland, but they're, they're really good at basketball. They're not really good at football, so that doesn't really count. So I can't be a sports one, Ben. So I would say, um, when are you going to come out with a book, Ben? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm working on my copywriting skills and, um, you know, kind of trying to find my direction and, you know, what I think I can provide a lot of value to people. But, um, I mean, haven't really made it tangible 
I get goal in that respect yet, but I mean, it's in my head. It's, it's, it's baking. It's a, uh, cool. it was there with like, you know, a couple months ago, I was thinking about a podcast. So it's just like an idea. And then all of a sudden I just was like, you know, this is my direction. I'm, I'm ready. Like let's start sharing and let's get myself out there and let's improve as much as I can in public speaking and networking. And um, I mean, it's been an amazing journey so far. So I hear the same about a, a book. So I'm going to have to do that as well. Uh, maybe we can talk about it about some ideas in the in the future <laughs> absolutely man i think it'd be Great. awesome you should do it take action i will i will sounds good and now now i got you all holding me accountable so feel free to ask me that question whenever you want <laughs> all right great so thank you everyone for spending your time with us and i hope you got a lot out of this video um hope you are thinking about your next real estate milestones and i hope this and every interview in the future will help you get there um so please like and subscribe to us on youtube spotify apple wherever you listen and um if you want to find brett uh can you tell us where where people can find more about you yeah you go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com you can also search our youtube channel capital gains tax solutions uh we also have another podcast called expert cre secrets as well we come out with a brand new book building a tax deferred exit strategy the proven playbook for unlocking your ideal wealth plan when selling assets of any kind for yourself or your clients we also have a free mastermind and a free ebook as well. You can check out by going to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. We're talking all things cryptocurrency, commercial real estate, exiting smart, right? Deferring millions of tax. And uh, that's all totally free. Um, so go check all that out, capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. This one will be on Amazon and it'll be a paid book. So you'll see that come out and the opportunity to, to take advantage of that. Um, but everything else is, we have a ton of free content on YouTube and our podcast as well, iTunes, Spotify. Well, I'm definitely going to have to check out that book as well you know, super excited about this, this, cool. uh, idea and glad to have you on. So guys, I hope everyone got a lot of wisdom and, um, you know, learned a lot from our expert Brett and, uh, Brett, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.